what you heard, if you've not heard this before, were the gifts of the Spirit in operation. These are spiritual gifts that God has given to His church. And as the under-shepherd of this church, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, sometimes in our ambition, we get out of line of Scripture. Scripture does say that when Paul was giving instruction to the church, he said that when tongues would go forth, two, no more than three. And obviously you heard a fourth today. And, and sometimes our ambition clouds uh, the Word of God, but God still spoke, and we're thankful for that. But we always want to do things decently and in order. We don't own the gifts. The gifts are not ours to uh, use and abuse. The gifts are from God. And so he uses some for healing and miracles and faith and discernment. Every time I get up behind this pulpit, I pray that I would operate in a gift of knowledge and a gift of wisdom. But it is not mine. It is his. But Scripture said to earnestly covet the best gifts. And he's okay with us desiring them and praying for them. And so I would be remiss if I didn't say that. As I was over there, I asked God, what do you want to do? And I just felt him simply say, I'm preparing hearts for the word. And so I am being obedient today by moving forward in the word that he would have for us today. Luke 15, 25 says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to them, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Hear the contempt in his voice, the frustration. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son, he disassociates himself from his brother, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. I know this series has seemingly been stretched out over the course of more weeks than I would have liked, but to jog your memory, we started talking about the younger son and his uh, decision to leave the father's house and the importance of connection, being connected to the body of Christ. Two weeks ago, we looked through the lens of the father and we talked about the importance of compassion, that the, pat, that the father was, was filled with love and compassion for the son. He had boundaries, so he didn't go chase after the son, but, but the moment he saw his son on the horizon, he ran to him. Today we close by talking about the older brother. Jesus went after the older brother because uh, a lot of times the Pharisees took on the traits. Sometimes we seasoned saints can take on the trait of the older brother. I've never left. I've been here this whole time. I've been faithful to the house of God. And I don't want to speak today in a negative light. And so I want to end this series by looking maybe at an attribute that's absent from the brother. It, it peaks its head up, I guess I could argue, but, but not in the fashion that it should be. We talked about connection. We talked about compassion. And I intend to bring all of these together today as we end by talking about courage. And in 
important attribute that the church has, the end time church has, that we'd be positioned with courage. So would you do this? Would you uh, put your hands in the air, maybe put your Bibles down, and uh, would you just ask the Lord that he would speak? If maybe you still feel like you're closed off, would you ask the Lord to open your heart so that your heart would be fertile soil for the seed, which is the word, to get in and to take root in your life? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for your presence that has been felt in this place. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray right now that every eye would be attent, every ear would be tuned in to the frequency of the Spirit, that as the Word comes forth out of my lips, that it would be personalized for each ear to hear today, and that we would all have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. Lord, let me stand behind the cross as I present this Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Before I start, I would be remiss if I didn't say on Saturday we celebrated Veterans Day. And um, I, I got a very distinct privilege uh, to participate in a ceremony at City Hall and, and, and give the invocation to a Veterans Day celebration. And I know we have some veterans here today. And so before I move further, further if you are a veteran, would you please stand? And we want to just thank you and honor you for your commitment to our country, for selflessly sacrificing and giving all. We owe a debt of gratitude to you. We love and appreciate these incredible men of God and thank them for their sacrifice and their service. Amen. You may be seated. Perfectly imperfect, we're talking about courage. He wasn't a part of the entire journey. As a matter of fact, he was the last one to join. However, it, it didn't take long for him to become an important, say, integral component to the adventure. His initial introduction within the story is startling and, and maybe off-putting, for he leaves the rest of the group in fear and in worry. That is until his true colors are shown. Known, normally, those that were like him, were, were known for their power and their strength, but we see that he's an exception to the rule. He, he should have been a, a symbol of fearlessness and bravery, but that just wasn't the case. The courage shown is only an act, for beneath the tough exterior is merely a cowardly lion. Yes, he's fierce, but also frightened at the first sign of conflict. I've been, I've been debating this the entire drive to church today. I, I was listening to the song where he says, If I were the king of the forest, right? I rough. <laughs> uh, in the book, when the cowardly lion finds out the destination of Dorothy and comrades, He's eager to join them, and, and he replies with this. He says, if you don't mind, I'll go with you, for my life is simply unbearable without a bit of courage. There's a lot of truth in that statement. Life simply unbearable without a bit of courage. It's simple, yet it's profound, because living without courage 
I could say is truly not living at all. And sadly, many today can resonate with, with the plight of the cowardly lion. I think Joshua in Scripture uh, could resonate with this, not, not by his own admission, but by the commission of both Moses and the Lord. And at the beginning of his journey, before the battle has been fought, before they step foot into foreign territory, the Lord speaks to Joshua and very specifically says to him in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, he says, For I have commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do, do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, now we don't see... We don't see Joshua nervous. We, we don't read about, like Moses, Joshua arguing with the Lord. We, we don't have, have uh, reason to believe that he had apprehension or anxiety about the role he would play. But it's easy to understand by putting it in human perspective that he probably was fearful, anxious, unsure. And before Moses departs, he, he says publicly in the hearing of the congregation three times to Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. And the Lord would repeat that sentiment four times. Be strong and a good courage. Yeah, yes, Joshua, he said in verse 3 that, that every place the sole of your feet would step, you have, but you're going to have to be strong and of a good courage. Be strong, Joshua. Here's the thing about courage. Courage is not hereditary. Courage is, it's not a spiritual gift. It's not a fixed trait. It's not given to some and, and, and withheld from others. Courage, I would say, it isn't a destination or a door unlocked, but rather it's a trait developed through a series of steps in the midst of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. Courage is a lot like patience. You can pray for God to give you courage. You can pray for God to give you patience. And you're not going to wake up with more, but he'll provide you with circumstances to develop patience. He'll provide you opportunities and doors opened where courage is going to be necessary. It's stepping out when everything inside of you says, stay put. It's speaking out when everything inside of you says, don't say a word. That's courage. Courage is confidently walking out on the battlefield to face a giant when everyone else is hiding. Courage is standing up when everyone else is bowing to a golden idol. Courage is continuing to pray when prayer has been banned and a violation gets you a trip to the lion's den. Courage is approaching the king when you weren't invited to come and you're risking your life. Courage is stepping out in the water because the master has bid you to come. Courage is leaving everything behind when that same master says, follow me. David would say this about courage. He, he said in Psalms 27 and verse 14, he said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Understand the importance and the order in which David puts this. He says, wait on the Lord, be patient, be courageous, then he'll strengthen your heart. T too often, we want God to strengthen our heart first 
before we exercise current courage. We, we, want, we want, and we like the idea that every place my foot steps, I'll have. But the Lord says, but you have to be willing to pick up your foot and walk into a territory that's unfamiliar to you. And that's what, what courage is. It's not saying, give me courage, then I'll move. Give me courage, then I'll speak. Give me courage, then I'll go. But, but courage requires you to take the first step. And there's people today who are plagued by fear. They're plagued by worry. They're plagued by all of these emotional things. And they, they feel, uh, they look at people who have courage. And, and, and sometimes they get jealous. And they say, I just wish I, I had boldness like him. And I wish I had confidence like her. And I, I wish I was as courageous as them. And we think that somehow they're superhuman. But the reality is, is they face the same feelings and emotions you do. But courage commands them to take a step. If I step, I know the Lord will be with me. If I, if I, if I step out on the water, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It defies the laws of nature. But he told me to come. And so I have to be brave enough to kick my feet over the boat and get on the water and then see it if it's there. It's courage. A lot of times when we think of, of courage, we, we look at it in the heroic, heroic sense. Having the courage to do, having the courage to act. But, but I want to speak to you about maybe a courage that we normally don't talk about. That's the courage to be. The, the courage to be known. The courage to be real. The courage to be honest. This type of courage is seen in, in Job's ability to express his anguish, confusion, and despair during the midst of his suffering. When friends are picking at him, and friends are saying to him, Job, certainly you've, you've sinned against God. Certainly you've done something wrong. Courage is him crying out to God and saying, God, I don't understand this. This is how I'm feeling, God. This is what I'm going through. These are the, the torrent of emotions inside of me. Courage is seen in Moses expressing his inadequacy and doubts to the Lord when he came to, to be chosen. He's saying, Lord, I know we look at Moses as cowardly, but he had the courage to speak out to God and say, God, I have a stutter. I am a wanted fugitive in Egypt. I am not like everyone else. And the Lord's saying, I'm with you, Moses. I'll go before you. I'll be beside you. And he's saying, Lord, I don't, I don't know. It's the courage that David had to write yet another psalm as he, as he thought, man, many there be that trouble me. Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And then he says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. David would write his emotions down on paper and he would present them as a gift to God. His fears and his concerns and his anxieties. Encourages Hannah going to her husband and saying, give me children or I die. I'm not going to allow this, this other wife of yours to have all these children and I'm overlooked. It's not fair. She had the courage to speak out. Or how about the woman with the issue of blood who, 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 who shouldn't have been in a public place but saw Jesus and her faith mixed with her courage said, I don't care what people say when I push past them and, when, and I might hurt them and I might trip them, but I just need to get to Jesus. And I know they know who I am and I may not know who they are, but I'm not going to let fear keep me from Jesus. How about blind Bartimaeus who, who when he said, Jesus... Son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, be quiet. 
The master doesn't want you. The master can't be troubled. The master's on a mission. Just be quiet. You're blind. You, you don't have the ability to do anything beneficial in the kingdom. And he said all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Or how about Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Here he is, a man who is taken from people, a tax collector, the, the scourge of society. And he looks at Jesus and says, come to my house. He had courage. How about the woman with the alabaster box, that, that precious ointment that was a year's wage and salary. And she breaks into the room where Jesus was. She's not invited. She, she's not the type of company that would be around the master. She was the type of person that when people saw, they would walk on the other side of the street. They would shield their children from. And she doesn't care what anyone thinks. She breaks that box and she spreads that ointment on his feet and she dries them with her hair. That, that's the courage I want to talk about today. It's being brave enough to honestly express who you are. It's, it's having the confidence to express how you feel. It's the courage to share what you experienced. It's the courage to be. As we conclude the story of the prodigal son, Scripture says he comes to his senses and decided after a time of squandering his wealth and living and riotous living that, that eating the pig pods is not the way that he should live. And so he said, at least the servants eat better than I, and so I'm going to go to my father's house. We talked about that. And, and, and when he's on the horizon, the father never has stopped looking. It's been days, it's been weeks, it's been months, but the father keeps looking where he left. And he said, that's where I last saw him, and I believe I'm going to see him again. And he has compassion for him. And father throws on the ring and the robe and the Reeboks. And he says, hey, let's have a party. We're going we're gonna to have uh, the fatted calf. And we're going to have the music and dancing. It's gonna, we're not going to spare any expense. And, and, and then the brother, hard worker. He's in the field. He comes in and he hears the music. Or however the harp would sound. Maybe it was a mariachi band. I don't know. He's not excited when he hears the music. He's irritated. He gets closer and he hears laughter and singing. And he peers in the window and he sees dancing. And he says, what's going on? Gets one of his servants. What's, what's taking place here? They say, hey, your brother's back. He says, I'm not going in there. Understand something. This is where we bring everything together. His distrust for the renewed connection of his brother and his disapproval and disdain for the compassion freely given out by his father causes him to refuse to go into the party. No, he's disconnected himself where the father always had hope open. There was no love there. I, I don't care about this kid. He's not even my brother. He's your son. And he's squandered our wealth. And he's, he's tainted the family name. And he's made us look like fools. And now he's back. And you're not rubbing his face in it? And he refuses to go into the party. And the father, the father, the, the, the man who, who he should have respect for is forced to come out. Son, why, why aren't you coming in? And here he says, lo, these many years I've been serving you. Get this, this stubborn and, and, and contempt and frustration. I, I've, I've kept 
your commandments. I've never transgressed them. I've done everything you've done. I, every, look at my record. There's gold stars next to every one of the chores that you've asked me to do, Father. I, I've never taken a day off. I, I've never called in sick. I've never squandered your money. I've been a good steward. When I wear the ring, I represent the family. When I wear the robe, I represent your name, and people see me, and I'm a representative of you, Father. Yes, he's bold, but he's also belligerent. Yes, he's confident to his Father, but he's also careless with his words. And this is what happens when the virtue becomes a vice. You may have heard people say, I gave them a piece of my mind. Mm. It was brewing for a long time, and my type of anger is a teapot, and it finally got to that 212, and I just exploded on them. There was stuff in there that had nothing to do with them, but it felt good to get it out. Have you been there before? I, 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 had the con I, told, I, I told my husband, I told him exactly how I was feeling in that moment. I, I put my foot down. I, I gave him a piece of my mind. But, but here's the thing I've learned. Courage without compassion, it's callous. It's, it's judgmental. It's harsh. It's, it's a wrecking ball. Yeah, you have courage, but if you don't have compassion, every word you say is going to be sharp. Everything you're going to do is going to be terse. And, and, and you're going to be like, and listen, as a church, let's not be people that go from one extreme, I'm going to be passive, and then I'm going to swing the pendulum, and I'm going to be aggressive. And sadly today, that's, that's how some people look at courage. They, they say when it's going to come up, the dam is going to break and get out of the way because what's coming out, I have no control over. That's courage without compassion. And there's many today who have left the church because they have been sitting in a pew and they've been preached to by a, by a saint that, that had courage, but they had no compassion. I'll tell you what you're doing wrong. And there's no love. There's no care. Courage without connection is self-serving. It looks a lot like gossip. It looks a lot like sacrificing someone else at the table when we're eating family dinner. Because we have the courage to talk about the issue, but we don't have the connection to care enough about the person. And so we'll go and, and, and we'll do things ultimately, most times, in the light of how it feels and what it means to us. It's self-serving, it's selfish. There's people today who, 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 who are courageous, but they have no connection to people. And so they'll, they'll gladly go and tell them how what you did made me feel bad. Do you know when you did this, this is how I felt. Because I'm looking out for number one. That, that's courage without connection. Yes, you have the courage to speak out. Yes, yes, you have the boldness and the bravery to make your thoughts known. But without the filter of compassion and connection, it's harsh. It's incomplete. And so I, I've learned a long time ago, it's, it's, not, it's not about being right. It's about doing right. There are many times that I could open my mouth and I could be right. And I might win the battle, but I'll lose the friendship. 
There are times that I, I could sit across from somebody and I could tell them things that are truth. And, and I, could, I, could, I could articulate them because I love studying synonyms and antonyms. And I, I could say the words that maybe they wouldn't even know. I, I've, become, I've become very proficient at sarcasm. I can say something with a smile on my face and you'll be smiling too and wondering why it hurts. But, but that's not courage. That's not the type of courage that Jesus wanted his disciples to have. That wasn't the type of courage he said, by this will all men know you're my disciples by your love one for another. He said, but speaking the truth, Paul said, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So, so it's imperative today, and we're building to a place. It's imperative that we practice courage in our connection to others with compassion. So, so everything I say going forward is with the lens of, of compassion and with the desire for connection. It's realizing you're my brother and you're my sister, and so when I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you with love, but I can also be bold and courageous in what I say. Allow me to talk about two relationships seen in this story. The, the, first, the first is courage with the father. The, the, oldest, the older son, he had the freedom and relationship to talk directly to his father. And, and we need to know today that we have the same opportunity. We have the courage and the confidence to approach God. Yes, I, I know it seems, it seems obvious. It, this doesn't seem like a very revelatory point, but let's not overlook it. The author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 4 and 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Understand, for many years, the Israelites, they, they, they saw the presence of God at a distance. It was always God's desire to dwell amongst his people, but a holy God couldn't dwell in the midst of an unholy people. And so he creates a, a, a vehicle for connection. And that's the tabernacle. And, and, and while he's talking to Moses, while he's giving the commands, and, and they're, they're by the mountain looking, the, the presence and the glory of God comes down so much that it freaks out the people. And they say, listen, we don't want to hear from him directly. We're okay with him talking to you and you then relaying the message to us. And so God sets up a tabernacle, brazen altar, brazen laver, it's a place where sacrifice, where death would take place. It, it was a place where there would be remittance of sins. It, it would never be totally expunged, only rolled over another year. And the priest would be the representative and the intermediary between God and man. And they would go and they would represent the humanity in front of the mercy seat one time a year. So important was the need for the priest, the high priest, who could go in there one time of year to be blameless and perfect. If he would step into the holy of holies with any sin on his heart, he would instantly be killed. And so they would put a chain around his leg with bells. And so if they ever heard the bells stop, they would have to pull him out. That's how important it was in our approach to God. But thanks be to God. That God said, this is not a permanent solution. For I already have a plan. And I'm going to robe myself in flesh. And I'm going to come down. And I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. And on that day on a cross, when he breathed his last breath, there was something profound that happened in the temple. The veil was rent twain. It was cut in half. This thick, this thick veil that was a hand breath in thickness. It just, from top to bottom. And that was... 
That was a sign that now we have access into the presence of God. And Paul would say there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He was the one who paid the price so that now I can come boldly into the presence of the almighty God. But sometimes the way we view our earthly father determines the way we view our heavenly father. Sometimes the lens and the way that we've been treated by others leaks into the way we treat our relationship with God. And he said, confess your sins. What did he say in 1 John 1.9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But we have to have the courage to confess. Yes, Understand, God knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. He, he knows the words you speak before you speak them, but he wants relationship with you. He wants a church that has the courage to walk into the presence of an almighty God, not cowering in fear, but understanding that I have access to my heavenly Father. And that's why Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. And so we must have courage with our Father. The, the relationship with our Father will dictate the relationship with everyone else. If this relationship is damaged, if this relationship has no courage, if this relationship is absent of a reverence and holy fear, we're not going to have this type of courage because we're going to fear what other people think and it's going to cause us to live in fear. David said, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayers for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. Think about that. David said, when I start talking to him, it's like he, he I know it's, it's an anthropomorphic thought. God doesn't have knees or, or joints. But he says, it's like he just sitting there in heaven comes down and says, I'm listening, David. What do you have to say? And that's how it is. Yes, there's billions of people in the world, but every time you come to an altar, every time you bow in your private prayer closet, the Lord tunes in his ears and he listens to what you're saying and he answers our prayers and he meets with us if we would just come with courage. So we must have courage and confidence when we approach the Father. But here's where I want to park the rest of this time. We must also have courage with the brother. Or let me say it this way. We must have courage with each other. Clearly the brother, the older brother, didn't have this courage. He had feelings and frustration but no connection or compassion to productively approach his brother and pull him aside and say, hey, listen, I love you and I'm happy you're back. But you have to understand what happened when you left. I love you and I, I'm, I'm, I'm rejoicing and I'm going to even sit at the table and I'm going to eat and I'm going to dance and I'm going to sing and I'm going to rejoice. But at some point, we got to sit down and talk about what happened. I, I don't want there to be any, any, any type of issues between. I don't want feelings unsaid to build up and become bitterness. This is the courage to be known. This is the courage to be your authentic self, not 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 fake. Not, not putting on a false front. It's, it's the courage to speak the truth and not have a vault of secrets. An organization did a survey, and they found in regards to relationships and courage, these two things, that 82% of people that took this survey say those they spend the most time with don't know them deeply. 82% say, 
Yeah, I, I go and have coffee with them. Yeah, I, I hang out. I, I go over to their house on Sunday afternoons and watch football. Yeah, I come down to the altar with them. I'm in, I'm in a connect group, but they don't know much about me. 82%, I would imagine that that statistic is pretty accurate in the church, that, that if I were to take two people and put them together and say, what do you know about sister so-and-so, and what do you know about sister? Yeah, well, I know that you wear skirts, and you use freeze-it on your hair. That's in... But do we really know each other? 68% say they have three or few closer friends. So, so how can we... How can, we, how can we make this a place to belong if we never let anyone in? How can we have true friendships if we always hold people at arm's length? Courage requires vulnerability. That word vulnerability comes from the Latin word meaning to wound. So, so to be vulnerable means to be able to be wounded. David said, I was wounded in the house of my friends. To, to be brave requires the possibility of injury. To be courageous means there's an opportunity to get hurt. And sadly, too many of us Christians, our relationships are a lot like an iceberg. There's only 10% of me that I'm going to open up to you. But beneath the surface is a vault of secrets, unspoken feelings, emotions and burdens we carry by ourselves, pain and trauma that we haven't shared with anyone. And we fear that if people knew the real us, they would reject us. If you really knew me, if, if I really let you in, you would run away because you would think, that's not how you should be. That's not how a Christian should act. We worry that if we open up to someone, they're going to hurt us just like everyone else has. That's the reality. That's the risk we have to be worth taking. I remember growing up, I was a teenager, and I, I had an issue that I was struggling with. And, and it was eating me alive, and I didn't know what to do about it. I would stay up late at night thinking about how to overcome this issue. And, and, and every day I would just hear this voice say, talk to your dad about it. I can't talk to dad. If, if, I, if I'm open and honest with dad, he'll, he'll be mad at me. He'll be angry with me. He'll, be, he'll discipline me. There's going to be consequences. And, and so for days and weeks and months, I said nothing until one day my dad came alongside of me and said, what's going on? And I opened up and I broke down and I began to weep and I began to confess the things that had been going on in my life. And, and lo and behold, there wasn't judgment. There wasn't anger. But I was met with love. And, and I learned that day that a, the weight of a secret is heavier than the consequences of the truth. That the weights that I carry by myself that I think I can't tell you. And so I'm going to put on my Sunday best. I'm going to iron my shirt. I'm going to clean my face. But you don't realize I was up till 3 o'clock crying because I'm so depressed and so angry. But you're not going to know that. When the song happens, I, I know how to jump and smile. Although inside of me everything is weeping and saying, sit down. Why did you even come to church? And we carry these weights, these secrets 
James would say this. We, we always read the verses before where, where it says, call for the elders of church and they'll pray the prayer of faith. I'm, I'm going to meet with somebody today that I, I, I met over the phone and he asked me to come and pray the prayer of faith and I'm going to do it after service. We're going to go and, and believe that God is going to heal Rolf. I, I believe he can do it. But afterwards it says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I want to pray the prayer of faith. Well, we can pray that. But also don't forget about the other part of the verse. Confess your faults. Confession can free us from the heavy burden physically, spiritually, emotionally, the the unresolved sin. It removes the hindrances and allows the work of the Holy Spirit. He, He would later say, or Paul would later say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. A wise man told me this earlier this week, that a burden shared is a burden cut in half. There's so much wisdom to that statement, that as I come bearing these burdens, that when I can sit down with somebody and be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling, that something happens in the spirit where that burden doesn't just become mine, now it becomes ours. So so what does that look like? What what does this type of courage look like? It's connecting with a trustworthy brother or sister. And that word trustworthy is very important. It's not, courage is not telling everybody everything. That's unwise. That's not prudent. But courage is finding a brother or a sister, someone that you can trust and saying, we need to sit down and we need to talk. Courage is saying, I'm feeling lonely and depressed, and I need you. I'm so depressed. I've started thinking things in my mind, and I don't like where my thoughts are going. And I can't do this by myself, and so I need to bear my burdens with somebody else. Courage is pulling someone aside and saying, I've been struggling with secret sin. You may not understand this, you may not know this, but, but yes, I smile, and yes, I have the joy of the Lord, but behind closed doors, there's internet histories that I need to delete every day because of places I'm going, and I don't know how to get out of the bondage. I don't know how to stop going to the bar. I don't know how to stop involving myself in that relationship, and, and I want to quit. I, I want to separate. I want to cut ties, and, and I've come down to the altar, and, and when people ask, I just say special unspoken. But if they only knew the things I was struggling with, they only knew the things that I did, they would be disgusted. No, 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 a, a burden shared is a burden halved. Courage is, is when you say to somebody, a spouse or a friend, I don't like when you treat me that way. We've been, we've been friends for a while, and when we talk, you're always condescending and rude. I, I don't like that you do that. It, it's realizing that I have the ability to share how I'm feeling. It's telling someone about a traumatic experience that you've told no one and still haunting you. Yes, it's been 20 years, but, but the wounds have never healed, and it's still festering, and it's still infected. It's opening up and sharing the parts that you've been suppressing. Listen, this isn't weakness. This is courage. 
I think we need to understand sometimes small boys are taught at a young age that strength in a man is you don't cry and you don't let people in and you just have this, 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 this nature about you that everything is fine. That is not strength. That's weakness. Strength in a man is saying, Brother Ed, I need to talk to you because there's something going on in my life and I can't handle it on myself and I'm sick and tired of doing it time after time after time and I might cry and I might snot and it may be hard to get the words out, but that's what courage looks like. Weakness is withholding. Courage is sharing. Weakness is doing life alone. Courage is doing life together. Weakness is a vault of secrets. Courage is unlocking the vault. See, courage is presenting your true flawed self to the world rather than a perfect version of yourself. We don't need more perfect Christians. We need real Christians. I, I don't want you to look at me and think that Angie and I never have arguments. I don't want you to look at us and think every day I wake up my breath always smells good because Lord knows it doesn't. I have bad days. I say things that at times with people that I have to call them and say, I shouldn't have said that, forgive me. I'm just a fellow struggler like you. I'm every day trying to, to pick up my cross and follow after Jesus. And sometimes I do the wrong thing. Some days I say the wrong thing. Some days I don't live the way I want to live. But I have people in my life that I can call. I have a wife that's there and I can say, listen, I've been feeling this way. And she doesn't, she doesn't ridicule me. She doesn't criticize me. She sits with me and loves me. So, so let's, let's, let's flip this on the other side. Yeah, yeah we've been talking about, about you being courageous, but I think courage is a two-way street. So if, if, if somebody has the courage to open up to you, will you have the courage to respond the right way? Many have opened up only to be hurt by well-intentioned believers. There, there's two prefixes that can be added on to courage that changed dramatically the definition and the demonstration of it. And it's compassion and connection that determines the direction we go. The first suffix that we can add on to courage is discourage. That's to remove confidence from somebody else. And so here you are, you, you're opening up to me, and you're saying, I have these issues going on, and I scoff, and I laugh, and I think, oh, you're going through that, that's so cute. What does that do that discourages the person? And if somebody is going to trust you with their secrets, if somebody is going to trust you with, with their problems, you better not discourage them. Because I tell you this publicly, you will give account for the words that you said. There are people that are not here today because they've been wounded in the house of their friends. They opened up to a friend and not, not, not courage, it was discouragement that they felt. And because of discouragement, they left. However, there's another suffix or prefix that we can add on to courage, and that's encourage. We, we can encourage one another in the Lord. That's, that's when we listen without judgment. This is when we support without criticism. This is what happens when there are those that, that we come alongside and we say, listen, I'm going to help you. And I, and I know this is the seventh time you've called me and you've relapsed, but we're going to do this. We're, gonna, we're, we're not stopping. I'm not getting off the ship. I'm not leaving you behind. I'm still here with you. I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to bear your burdens with you. Paul would say, so encourage each other in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. So encourage each other. 
and build each other up just as you are already doing. When we encourage someone, we're building them up. When we discourage, we're tearing them down. And when somebody comes to us already broken, they don't need to be torn down more. They don't need a wrecking ball. They need a construction crew. They need somebody that's going to come alongside it and say, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Can can God repair it? Yes, he can. Will he deliver you from it? Yes, he will. Will he be with you and heal you from your past wounds? Yes, I know he will. And so I won't discourage you. I won't belittle you, but I will encourage you. Would you stand with me? It's courage. I want that kind of courage. A known pastor was, was noted with, with saying something. It was so, so in, endearing that I, I wanted to share it with you. I think it just puts a, a ribbon on this sermon today. He, he said, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, well, it's a lot like being loved by God. Is what we need more than anything. It it liberates liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. As I read that, I I was thinking about what John said in 1 John 4 and 8. When he said, there's no fear in love, but perfect love, mature love, complete love, casts out fear. If our relationship with God, our others, is marked by fear, by worry, by concern, that's not perfect love. That's not an understanding of complete Love. You see, perfect love doesn't cower in fear, but it walks in courage. Perfect love doesn't act superficial with God or others, but it's it's willing to get real. Complete love doesn't have pretense or qualifiers, but it says, come as you are. And so today, I, I guess I'm reaching for a specific group I'm calling for those who feel like they can't open up. Those who are here today and and as I was talking, I struck a, a nerve because you're carrying heavy burdens. And nobody in this room, maybe one, maybe none, know what you're going through. I'm I'm reaching for those who are wrestling with secret sin but won't allow someone in to help them overcome it. And I think just as we started this this message with that if we're going to be courageous, it's going to take a step. And I think no greater step can be done today than taking a step towards this altar and saying, God, you know where I'm at. You know, I know what I need to do. Help me to have the courage to do it. So I want to pray for you today and I want to open these altars. 
And I wonder if there are some that are in this room that are courageous enough to say, I'm sick and tired of living this way. I need God. I need a brother. I need a sister. And so I'm going to step out. Lord Jesus, would you touch each person under the sound of my voice? Lord, I know it, it even takes courage to be the first one to step down to this altar. Because somehow we feel that by stepping down, it's an admission of guilt. That as I, as I walk down to the altar, people will start to conjure up what's going on in my life. But God, I, I silence that voice today. I silence the voice of the accuser of the brethren that would sit around us and would whisper in our ears, stay silent. And I pray the voice of truth would speak louder today. Lord, that courage would envelop each person in this room today. Lord, that with courage they would step forward, Lord, into their purpose, God, into your will, into their plan. But Lord, with courage they would step into greater healing. With courage they would step into a greater deliverance. With courage they would step into, God, what you would have for them today. Lord, would you touch each person under the sound of my voice. Lord, let strength meet them here today. Let your perfect love meet them here today. Lord, every burden, every sin, every anxiety, God, we can lay it down at your feet. We can walk with a brother or sister and find healing. So would you help us today, Jesus? Would you help us today, God? to find strength in this place. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God the still inside the storm the promise of the shore I trust the power of your word to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place beyond the ocean waves when I walk through the waters I won't be overcome maybe you're here today and you feel when like you I have courage would you step behind one of these individuals I at this altar would you begin to lay hands on them and pray that God would strengthen them today you who are spiritual, you who have been courageous, would you come alongside a brother or a sister and let them feel what love feels like? You don't have to carry this weight by yourself. You don't have to bear this burden by yourself. So I will not lose heart. Here